Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, a staple of Louisiana kitchens for nearly 40 years. Maker of batters, coatings, boils, tartar sauce, cocktail sauce, and more. Louisiana Fish Fry, because life needs Louisiana flavor. From our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, this is Louisiana Eats. I'm Poppy Tooker. Historically, when people consider the roots of classic Creole food, the French are given most of the credit. But lately, there's been an increasing focus on the African hand that stirred those pots. New Orleans has been blessed in recent years with an influx of young African chefs and restaurateurs who have been very busy shedding new light on where our food really came from. Today, we honor those ancestors with the help of New Orleans' new African culinary guard. From Addis Nola, we'll hear from mother and son team Brooke Alamehu and Prince Lobo about bringing their authentic Ethiopian dining experience to historic Bayou Road, including injera bread and honey wine that have been served in the Horn of Africa for thousands of years. Then, West African chef Fanta Tambajang recounts the journey from her home in Gambia to her French Quarter restaurant, Benichin. It's my guess you may already know and love her classic jamma jamma and fried plantains from the Jazz Fest, where Fanta has been a sensation for decades. Finally, Queen Nindi describes the genesis of her popular central city eatery, Nindi African Cuisine, where the primarily Senegalese menu also features dishes from Ghana, Nigeria, and even Jamaica. We're taking a whole new look at Creole cuisine from an African point of view on this week's Louisiana Eats. During the doldrum days of the pandemic, when many of us were still hidden away in our homes, on the corner of Tulane and Broad in New Orleans, one family restaurant opened its doors each day with the same joyous call. Adis Nola! Woo! Dubbed the Woo, that daily affirmation captures the spirit of Adis Nola that got them through the worst of the pandemic and their move to a bigger space on Bayou Road. The Adis Nola Woo was an open declaration to the world, to the skies, to the universe, to God, that we're here and we will not stop anytime soon. My name is Prince Lobo of Addis Nola. And my name is Brooke Alamayu from Addis Nola. This mother-son team, Dr. Brooke Alamayu and Prince Lobo, along with Dad Jamie Lobo, are the cultural and culinary standard bearers of their Bayou Road restaurant, where customers are treated to an authentic dining experience from one of the world's oldest civilizations, Ethiopia. 
Here, diners dig into a traditional chicken stew or spicy gulf shrimp while they sip house-made honey wine. And rather than using Western flatware to scoop up the delicacies, customers employ injera, a spongy flatbread that's been consumed in the Horn of Africa for thousands of years. This experience has captured the imagination of locals, including such industry luminaries as Compare Le Pen's Nina Compton, Mason Herford of Turkey and the Wolf, and Serene Mabey, who helms the Senegalese restaurant Dakar Nola. But the Lobo family's journey to Bayou Road has not been a typical one. It's, it's a journey, right, uh, that began with many small but huge decisions that would inevitably bring my mother from Ethiopia, leaving at 14 years old, um, making best friends with this family who would be the reason why she decided to leave from my place of birth in Angola, Luanda, uh, in the 2000s and bring me here as a two- or three-year-old baby um, to then be located in Baton Rouge where she could go to school and study and just try to make the best opportunity that she had with anything that you know she could put together. Um, at that time. And so she pretty much stayed in school until she couldn't uh, <laughs> from 2000 to 2009, where she finally got a uh, professor job with Southern University in New Orleans. Um, and uh, yeah, then of course I end up here. Now, I understand, Brooke, that this whole idea about bringing African food, the best African food, the authentic, the way that you knew it and loved it to New Orleans, that this was your idea. Yes. I, you know, really wanted to see more of the things I grew up with, <laughs> which is similar to New Orleans. It's a comfort food. And I asked many of my friends if they can open because I am a professor. I don't have that much time. But it felt like no one is willing to do so. Finally, I decided in 2019 that maybe we just need to go and, you know, find a way to open this restaurant. And that's how Addis Nola, you know, started. Now, Prince, I understand you had some other ideas. And um, your mother's very persuasive. I'd like to know more about that. She's, she's you know, the heart and soul of our family the piece that's brought everything together. And she was the person who made that initial sacrifice for us to be here in the first place. I had a childhood dream at the time uh, before we opened to be an airplane pilot. I actually got a job to work with United and go through their pilot training program in Denver, Colorado. And, you know, she told me that this was something that if if she felt as if, if we didn't do this, you know, then would we be waiting for someone else to do this? Would there be someone else who could really bring our cuisine at the highest level possible and really put their heart into it besides us. Um, so it was just, it was really perfect timing for her to have myself, even my father, who's uh, the chef now running the kitchen, Chef Jime, Jime too is what we like to call him. And and your husband, how does he just acquire this skill for the restaurant kitchen? You know, he worked in the lab. So he felt like the kitchen is like a lab. As long as you know your measurements and the things you put, uh, and you put your heart to it, of course, and it, it becomes something that you are passionate working for. So I was the one who was passionate, but I guess it did translate to my family too. <laughs> I understand that the core recipes 
of Edisnola are your recipes. Yes, um, Ethiopian cuisine I grew up with and I mastered as a child, although I was very young, but I always have seen my family or my mother, we were supposed to sit down and watch how they cooked. You have this vision and you find this little place on Broad Street. Tell me about when you all opened there and what the reception was. What was it like? Just jumping with bold faith into something that you had no clue what would happen if it would go well, if it would go bad. There's there's no way that we can tell. We just knew that our food was good and that we were going to present it. It was really a leap of faith. And um, people who appreciated that cuisine and the culture, they really showed up for us to begin. When did you know that you had to grow? How did all of that happen? Um, So, you know, in addition to this network of, you know, the hospitality or the community, I was also connected when in 2021 with through the COVID uh, through to impact accelerator program from Propeller. Our growth happened, of course, when everything was, you know, shattered down in a sense that we were very um, adamant to not shut down when every hospitality business was shut down. So we said, yes, we shut down, but we're going to quarantine at the restaurant and just make sure that people know that we are still here. We can serve you to go. It's the community that didn't forget us when everything was really bad. We made it work, and people really stuck with us during that time period. And so every time people come to our new space, I always say, we did this for, for, for everyone else. You know, of course, this was for Adis Nola to grow into a bigger space to, to, to accommodate more people. But we really did this for our community. This is my mother, you know, Dr. Brooks' love letter to the city and to her culture to say that we're going to, you know, we started small, 40 seats on the probably one of the worst corners to have a restaurant in New Orleans. We made it work. We stuck through. We opened a week after everything in New Orleans shut down and made sure that we could feed as many people as possible, hospital staff, working with the crew of Red Beans, and just, you know, making these collaborations with Mason, Nina, Serene, and just pushing and pushing and pushing through until there was no other option but for us to be where we are doing what we're doing right now. And I I really think the future is bright, uh, is going to continue to shine in in that space and our family and the people who, who work with us. So the space on Bayou Road, how did you find it? So I had to really, or together with my family, to think through if it is feasible for us to move from this small space to the big space. And uh, so, but, you know, we, through the faith and the community that was believing in us, because for them to come to us, because they believed in us that if we were able to make it on broad, that means we can make a difference on you know, on Bayou Road. That's the reason we are there. <laughs> That's right. One of the most historic streets in the city of New Orleans, if not the most historic in the city, the state, and the country of America. It's it's a very important place, that original Portage Road. So at your new location, you've just about doubled your capacity, and and you've done so, so much more. Adis Nola on Bayou Road is the um, connection from New Orleans, one of the most historic cities in America, to Ethiopia, one of the most ancient cultures on the face of the earth, right? 
And to be on Bayou Road, that allows us a platform. It is allows us the space and opportunity to really show the true essence of Ethiopia, one of the oldest nations on earth with some of the most uh, historic and rich culinary traditions that exist on earth that have not been told in New Orleans. Prince, tell us about that dining experience. It's important that your hands are clean because you do all of the eating with your hands and a lot of it has to do with the injera, that special bread. The moment that you step into the door and you see the traditional word inquan ademetacho, uh, I could be pronouncing it wrong, but it's it, you can correct me if it's wrong. Inquan ademetacho. There we go. That means Welcome. Welcome home, right? And so when we're bringing you into this space based off of the Gojo Bets, based off of inspired by rural life in Ethiopia, you have to eat. The dining experience has to match that. So when you go, expect to be eating with your hands, right? Because that's the way it's been done for 2,000 years with this bread that's 3,000 years made from this grain called teff that we ferment, one of the first, if the first cooking technique on earth. So that's one of the main components of the cuisine. You use this as like a flatbread to capture morsels of the cuisine, sopping up all the flavors of our stews, our sautés, our, some of our fried dishes. And it, it, it really encapsulates the, the true dining experience of, of how we eat back in Ethiopia. Uh, and it really is from every aspect, from the design, from you know the experience of eating with your hands and washing your hands and, and eating in a family and friend setting. That's really what it's about. It's about bringing people together. Food is about connecting uh, cultures, peoples, families, and just allowing us to, to have an experience that we can cherish forever. This dining experience, sitting down together, sharing everything by hand with this beautiful bread, it really creates a community right there at the table, doesn't it? It does. Um, what my mother loves to say is at the dinner table, it's like therapy. You come with whatever you've experienced in the day or, or whatever it is, and you talk. This is our moment as families to come together and, and really connect over a delicious plate of food. Tell me about the Ethiopian honey wine. Oh, my goodness gracious. You've done it. <laughs> you have done it. <laughs> we are talking about Tej. Tej is the original wine of the world. Not this in particular, but this recipe of honey with water and yeast existed as long as bees existed on earth at least a million years, there's been beehives with water that would fill with rain and ferment in the sun with yeast in the air. So we're bringing back the most ancient and traditional form of wine making that happens in nature without human impact at all with our own touches using oaks that come from Ethiopia. This is one of the original, the original wine of the world before our white and grape wines as we know it. And so to bring that back is a really we're really I'm really prideful, really happy to be able to have an opportunity to work on that on that brand and in that in that uh, product that we now only serve at Adis Nola, or should I say, Adis Nola? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and that does put a punctuation mark on the whole thing. How did you develop that Adis Nola shout out? The woo. The, the woo, woo is what we love to call. We actually have a, a martini, a gin martini, using the honey wine that we call the woo on the menu. Mwah. 
Delicious. <laughs> Extremely delicious uh, beverage. But the woo came from life. It, it came from really waking up in the morning, you know, coming, I would say, her energy, you know, my father's energy, our family coming together and making that decision to be like, you know what, through any adversity, through any downfall, through anything, we're going to push through. Thank you all so much for your special Ethiopian gift to New Orleans and for coming to talk with us. So inspiring and thrilling. I want to be part of your family, too. Thank you so much for having us. You are part of our we family. We do appreciate you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was Brooke Alamehu and Prince Lobo of Addis Nola on Bayou Road in New Orleans. Coming up next, we meet Fanta Tambajang, who for decades has offered locals the tantalizing tastes of Gambia, while making folks feel right at home in her French Quarter restaurant, Benichin. Louisiana Eats returns after the break. I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Crystal Hot Sauce, now celebrating 100 years of hot sauce deliciousness. Always made with just three simple ingredients, aged red cayenne peppers, distilled white vinegar, and salt. Nothing artificial. Crystal Hot Sauce, how New Orleans does flavor. From Rouse's Markets, synonymous with seafood straight from Louisiana's waterways, Rouse's Markets tastes like home. And from Camellia Brand, beans done right, a New Orleans tradition since 1923. Now celebrating their centennial by donating one million bowls of beans to Second Harvest Food Bank. What a way to say thank you to the community they call home. To learn more and view the new video by award-winning documentary filmmaker Joe York, visit CamelliaBrand.com. The original African inhabitants of New Orleans came as enslaved people, brought mostly from West Africa. Despite catering to the tastes of European slave owners, their African taste memories deeply influenced what has come to be known as Creole cuisine. That influence is easy to trace with a trip to Benichin Restaurant in the French Quarter, run by a Gambian expatriate. My name is Fanta Tambajan, and the name of my business is Benichin Restaurant. Locals who take a seat in Benichin's comfortable dining room will find some familiar dishes on the menu. For example, 
Sorsa Walango Nimano is red beans and rice. And that Benichin, for which the restaurant's named, it's what Gambians call their jambalaya. Proprietor Fanta Tambajang has served these local favorites, along with less familiar but equally delicious fare, such as peanut stew and fish pie, for over 30 years. Her annual booth at Jazz Fest has earned her fans from across the world, and her gracious manner and comforting foods are so endearing that many customers call her Miss Fanta, or often simply Mama. Fanta, I have long, long been a great fan of your food. I would love to go back to the very beginning of your journey. How did you come to New Orleans? Actually, I was in Ohio before when I came to this country. That was in 81. Uh, then it, it's too cold for me down there. Then my cousin is, uh, was going to pharmacy school in New Orleans here, Xavier Pharmacy School. Mm-hmm. So I keep complaining about the cold. So he, he told, she told my husband, I can, we can move down here. The weather is just like back home. That's when we moved down to uh, New Orleans. And I, you know, I love it here. The weather is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we love you, too. So give me a little bit of information about where you came from originally mm-hmm. in Africa. What is special about that particular area's cuisine? I'm from Gambia, West Africa, of course, to uh, Senegal. We share the border from Senegal. So it's the cuisines over there in West Africa. Basically, it's close to New Orleans food because like the jambalaya in New Orleans, that's what we call banishing. The banishing means everything cooked in one pot. That's what we call banishing. And jambalaya is like that. You throw everything in there. Anything you got, you can put it in and, you know, it goes with it. And the seasoning in New Orleans, that's how we season back home. When we first opened the restaurant at Edinburgh, when older people come and eat, they be telling us it's like olden days Creole cooking, which I don't know how that tastes, <laughs> but... Uh, the salt, I know this, I always eat New Orleans food, and the salt is just perfect. So that's when I say maybe that's what they be calling uh, curio cooking. I don't know. Now, when you first came to the United States, mm-hmm. were you cooking then? I mean, obviously, I imagine you were cooking to feed yourself and your husband, but how in the world did you find your way into a restaurant kitchen? You know, the way we brought up, uh, when you are little, that's uh, girls, that's when your uh, grandparents, like my grandma taught me how to cook. So since I'm a little girl, I start cooking with my grandma. Whatever she is doing, I'm helping her to do. So that's how I start uh, cooking. And uh, uh, I met a friend over here from Cameroon. So uh, when I cook, I'll dish her food. When she cooks, she will dish food for me too. 
So one day she came, she said, Fanta, you know what we need to do? I said, what? She said, I think we need to open a restaurant. I said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> restaurant, <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, well, you can cook, I can cook, and people love our food. He said, let's try it. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> okay, let's do. So that's how we uh, come up with the restaurant. When we uh, open in Metri, you know, it's kind of far, uh, most of our customers be coming from New Orleans. They keep telling us we have to find a place in New Orleans and move to New Orleans. So that's what we did. After we, uh, we've been there for about a year or two, that's when we find a place in Carrollton. Ah. Then we move from uh, Fat City to uh, Mid City. Ah. Yes. And then eventually? Eventually, we were there. I finally found a place at French Quarters on Royal Street. So I moved from Carrollton to Royal Street. Has the customer base followed you from place to place? Yes, yes. Customers, my customers becoming, wherever I open, they will follow me over there. They always come and they will bring. Basically, when I first started, it's uh, by um, word of mouth. Well, I know that one of the places that you have acquired a big devoted customer base is from the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. Fanta, how did you become a vendor at Jazz Fest, and how long ago was that? Um, we start with Jazz Fest, I think, uh, 93 or 94. Tell me some customer stories, because I bet you have some devoted folks who come looking for you every year from all over the world. Yes, from Germany, from France, and uh, everywhere in the world when they come. they will Before they come, they will even call at the restaurant. Are you all going to be at the Jazz Fest? We say, yes, good, we are coming, we'll be there. I say, okay, thank you. What a thrill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am a spinach lover. And Fanta, there is no spinach dish, I think, that quite compares to your Jamma Jamma. Thank you. Um, Is the Jamma Jamma you make, is if we were to go to Gambia, would we find it there? Yes, you will. And just like you make? Just like we make it. Your restaurant is such a charming spot there. Thank you. Um, Right there on Royal Royal. Street. Mm -hmm. Very, very near Esplanade, sort of in the back of the quarter. A beautiful little tucked away place. Thank you. Tell me about the hospitality Mm -hmm. in your restaurant and how you want people to feel when they come and what the dining experience is like. Is um, basically when people come, we try to make them feel welcome to sit down. So when they come, they eating, they will be asking us questions, and we'll explain everything to them. So they love the place. So basically, they are like family members too. With all the years you have watched families grow up. Yes. 
Yes, I watch a little kids that are, you know, well before they are born, their parents becoming, uh-huh. and they they are grown now. Just like Sunday, I got this girl who is there with her parents. I know her parents well before they get married. So <laughs> now the girl is married with her uh, son too. Fanta, what is it like after all of these years in the United States when you go back home? Tell me about your experience and what you hear and see with family and friends back there. Yeah, New Orleans is a nice place, though. It's just like back home and the hospitality, they are very nice. New Orleans is the first place I see you walking on the street, people are telling you hello. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's like back home. Whether you know them or not, they will say hello to you back. It's a very warm and welcoming place. Yes. It certainly is in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Oh, very. <laughs> <laughs> well, New Orleans is so glad that you found us and decided to call this your home. home yes, New Orleans is a home for me and my family. Are there any ingredients that you that it's difficult to find for your food, or is everything? No, everything is easy in New Orleans. Yes, because even at your backyard, you can grow some things in over there, and it will grow back. Just like back home, before you start cooking, you go to your garden and cook, uh, cut some green onions, so parsley and stuff. Over here, too, you grow them; they come to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> New Orleans is a home. It is a home. Are there any dishes that you can think of that people might not understand? Is there anything that requires a little more explanation? No, like, you know, they are not familiar. When I first opened, like I said, people are not familiar with the food, so uh-huh. they will ask more questions and stuff. But right now, People are open to, they, are, they understand the food, they know what it is, so they love it and, you know, they will come, they won't even look at the menu, they will tell the waiter or the waitress, oh, give me, give me the peanuts too, or give me the egusi, or give me the banachin, without even looking at the menu. You know, one of the things I'm very curious about that's on your menu are kidney beans, mm-hmm. which are, of course, you know, you're comparing cuisines. And, of course, that's our beloved red bean. Mm-hmm. What's, what is different about your kidney beans and our red beans? And what's the connection? There's no difference between New Orleans kidney beans and my red beans because when— all the people eat my red beans. They be telling me, oh, get, fix me a plate to go. Tomorrow is Monday, so I don't have to cook red beans for the house. This tastes like my grandma's red beans, or this tastes like my mother's red beans. So, you know, it's the same. Well, Fanta, this has been such an incredible treat to have this opportunity to speak with you. Thank you so much. And it's not just a treat. It truly is an honor because Benichin Restaurant is an institution here in New Orleans. Thank you You are a vital part of us. And I'm so grateful to, to be able to thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. 
That was Fanta Tambajang, a Benichin restaurant in New Orleans, French Quarter. What are the true origins of Louisiana's famous jambalaya? And are beignets really French? Stay tuned, and we'll answer that question when we come right back. I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry. Now doing for chicken what they've always done for fish. Fried chicken tenders, wings, sandwiches, and more. Louisiana Fish Fry has you covered with a mix specially for chicken. Louisiana Fish Fry, because life needs Louisiana flavor. And from the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission, Plan to stay, play, and get away on the Louisiana North Shore this spring. Discover the bounty of the bayou and rich culture from award-winning chefs, soulful mom-and-pop restaurants, extraordinary bakers, and creative mixologists. To learn more, request the Explore the North Shore Visitor Guide for inspirational stories, custom itineraries, and event information at louisiananorthshore.com. St. Tammany Parish, 40 minutes from New Orleans French Quarter and a world away. Here's this week's culinary quiz question, brought to you with support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. What are the true origins of Louisiana's famous jambalaya? And are beignets really French? Back in 2018, we met Chef Serene Mabey of Dakar Nola. At the time, he was a 24-year-old line cook at Commander's Palace, who was relatively new to the area and simply amazed by the parallels he was discovering every day between Senegalese food and the food in his adopted home, New Orleans. It was Serene who first told us about jollof rice, the classic West African one-pot meal that includes rice, tomatoes, onions, spices, and meat. Sound familiar? Enough already with the suppositions that Spanish paella had anything to do with the origins of Louisiana's jambalaya. Jollof. Jambalaya. You think about it. But maybe even more shocking was when Serene prepared a delicious fried dough dish he called Puff Puffs. Guess what? It's a beignet. Yep, even that most French of donuts seems to have ancient roots in West Africa. It looks to me like we all need to dust off our former conceptions of Creole food origins and seriously take another look. 
And that's exactly what we'll be doing with our next guest, Queen Nindi, who is the latest chef of African descent to bring her version of jollof to the Crescent City. Hi, my name is Queen, owner of Nindi African Cuisine. For many chefs, opening their own restaurant comes after years of working their way up in commercial kitchens. But Queen took a different route. After leaving Senegal to attend college in the United States, she began a journey that took her through motherhood, Mississippi, and a hair-braiding career all before she opened Nindy African Cuisine in New Orleans in 2022. Which, by the way, is the very first restaurant she's ever worked in. Queen joined us in our Louisiana Eats studio to tell us about the passion for cooking that gave her the courage to take a chance on herself. Before I came to New Orleans, I used to live in... um Harrisburg, Mississippi is like an hour and a half from here. So one day, a friend of mine, husband, asked us to come here to cook African food for them because they miss it so much. And then I fall in love with New Orleans, and the next week I moved in. How did you get to Harrisburg in the first place? When I came in the state in 2000, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. Actually, my family, my, my parents, they let me come to the state to go to school. That's what I was supposed to be doing. Oh, and what happened? Motherhood happened. <laughs> <laughs> I got married so young. That's why my baby, my firstborn, is, um, he's almost 21 oh because he God. was born in uh, 2002. So when I, I came two years later, I got married and I had a baby. So I stopped going to school. I started going to work. I was doing hair, you know, African hair braiding? Yes. Yes. So, but it never was what I wanted to do. Cooking is a passion. It's, it's something that I fell in love with when I was really, really young. You like, I remember watching my mama cook, and I fall in love with cooking, the way she will, you know, decorate a plate. It was so beautiful, and the fact that People being satisfied and happy about the... F- I, I just fell in love with... with I, don't, I don't really know how to explain it in English, but it's just how food put people together. It's just like... It's, it's basically everything that, you know, food do, you know, or does. You grew up in the kitchen with your mom in Senegal? My mom used to travel a lot, and my dad too. So... Actually, she taught me a few things, but the only time she could cook was on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday. Uh So anytime she goes, for example, to Paris, to Spain, wherever she went, she used to bring uh, cooked food with her Uh because cooking was her passion too. And so on the weekends, we because I have two sisters and a brother, and in Africa, when they raise you, they raise you to take care of your home. They will teach you at early age how to cook, how to clean, how to, you know, be there for your family, how to treat your husband, how to take care of your kids at really early age. Especially when, you know, you're the firstborn and you're a, you, you're a girl, it's a problem. I remember 
I was the first one to wake up early in the morning before sunrise, and I'll be the last one to go to sleep. Because early in the morning, they wake you up to make sure that you have your baby clothes, you know, your baby sisters and your brother clothes out. You fix them breakfast, and then when after they eat, you go to the market because we buy everything fresh there. We don't, you know, we don't have nothing in the fr um, fridge frozen beside, for example, maybe the fish or some dry seafood. But anything else, you go every morning at the market to buy the veggies fresh. Everything has to be fresh. I can't even smell the market right now because, you know, the people from the village and the farm, they're going to be bringing the uh, veggies. The people who live by the water, they'll be bringing the fish in. It's just beautiful. It must have been quite a shock to come to America and go to a supermarket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking around. I, I was in, a, I, I remember it was uh, Publix. Um, Atlanta, Georgia, they have Publix and Kruger. Uh, a lot of Publix and Kruger. So I'm like, what are they eating and how are they doing this? I mean, it's like, it wasn't easy. So you and your family moved to New Orleans? At that time, it was just me and my son. Ah. And um, the friend of mine who was with me in um, Hattiesburg. So then I met my husband. Then we got married. I fall in love with um, New Orleans cuisine because we have some dishes that are similar. And some dishes that they have here that they didn't have in Atlanta, Georgia, like the gumbo, mm -hmm. like the jambalaya. So I did some research and, you know, come to find out it's because back in the days, a uh, lot of slaves were from Senegal. What did you do? Um, until you opened up your restaurant, what was your life like? You know, remember from 2000 to now, to basically last year, I was doing hair. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, really good at it, but that's not what I wanted to do. Anytime that I'm, you know, at the shop, I'm praying, God, you know, please, this is not what I want. You know, this is not what I want. So I need you to give me a restaurant. That's what I want to do. So besides uh, doing hair, I was at the French market. And my mother-in-law, who's outside, she they've been there for years. So it's it's a big community of uh, Senegalese people at the French market selling arts um, from Senegal, from West Africa. And I like the fact that you meet different type of people and, you know, different type of lives. And when, when I have a customer, we talk, you know, and I realize most of them will ask you about Senegalese or West African cuisine because it was a lot of French people here. And my country was colonized by French people. So they know about our dishes and we kind of know about theirs. And so you were cooking for people at the French market too, just as a favor, huh? People yes, from home. Because like I said, we have some, some similar dishes, but it's still not like home cooked meal, like like grandma pot. It's, it's, right. it, wasn't, it wasn't the same. So, and they know about my, you know, love of cooking. Uh -huh. So sometimes they will ask me to make some dishes for them. And they, they were really supportive too. They are the, one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this. And so you pray for a restaurant and then somehow it presents itself. Tell me that story. I was, what, five months pregnant? And one of my husband friend, Mohammed, he came to the house uh, picking up some food. 
And he was like, you know what, Queen? You know what you should do? Because this kitchen of yours is too small. You need a restaurant. I'm like, you guys are not helping me to find a restaurant. I'm I'm looking all over the place. You guys are not helping. And he's like, wait, one of my friends have a shop that, you know, and I think it was a restaurant already. Just, you know, this is his number. I'm like, okay. When I told my husband, he was like, hmm, baby, are we really ready for a restaurant? You know, it can be really expensive. Don't you think we should wait? And, you know, you're pregnant. You're going to be tired. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. But the next day, I was sitting on my table eating breakfast, and something was telling me, go ahead. You know what? Just go look. Just just call him. Just go ahead. So I went. Soon as I stand by the door, that was it. Like something was like, this is yours. This is it. My problem was to convince my husband. Mm. And how did you manage that? He's a really stubborn guy. How did I manage that? (laughs) (laughs) I begged him to come. And he knew how I wanted it. And I guess he was kind of afraid that if he says no, he's going to be in trouble. He might be sleeping in the couch for a few months. So he didn't have a choice. So, Queen, tell me tell me about your food and how you manage. I can say like 60% of our um, cooking dishes, the, the ingredients that we use have to come from home. My mom was here. Uh, she just left like two weeks ago. So she bought me a lot of stuff. And just this morning, I had to go to the post office and pick up some more because I don't know how else to cook without the ingredients from home. The the thing that I use the most is the palm oil. They don't have it here. The chakiri that we call dege also is our dessert. Oh, yes. And they make it from scratch from home. Where do you know these dishes from? Family, from home. My, my aunts, my mom, they're really good cooks. Uh, back home, we don't... We don't even go to restaurants. It's a waste of money because they don't cook better than we do, to be honest. So all of them are um, food lovers. So all of them know how to cook. It's a competition back home. Paint a picture for us of what it looks like inside your restaurant. Okay. We have a long wall where we put some um, African arts. Actually, I want to... I want to name it the Wall of Africa. I want to have a lot of African arts there. I would love to have uh, most of my customers, they're Africans, so, but different parts of Africa. I'm from West Senegal, so we have Nigerian, we have Ghanaians, we have uh, people from Cote d'Ivoire. So whenever they tell me that they're going back home, I will ask them to bring me anything just to put it on the wall, and we're just going to fill it up with African, uh, beautiful African arts. You prayed for a son, and you prayed for a restaurant, and you got them both. Boom, boom. Yes. What's on your mind that's More coming restaurants. Next? I would love to explain, because I feel like it's, it's a lot that um, Americans or African Americans are need to know about Africa, because that's home. That's motherland. So I would really love to expand it. But just not restaurant. So much more. The culture, the clothing, the um it's just so much more that, you know, Africa is 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 holding that I would love to share with with everybody here.
That was Queen Nindy, owner of Nindy African Cuisine in New Orleans' Central City neighborhood. That's it for this week's edition of Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Catch up on previous editions of Louisiana Eats on poppytooker.com, where over a decade of episodes are available for pod and webcasting, along with recipes and cooking class videos, too. Louisiana Eats is made possible with major support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, Louisiana Fish Fry, Camellia Brand Beans, Crystal Hot Sauce, Rouse's Markets, and the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission. And from D'Agostino Pasta, handcrafted in Louisiana just as it's been done in Sicily for centuries. Visit D'AgostinoPasta.com to learn more. Support for Louisiana Eats also comes from Gulf Coast Blenders, dry ingredient blends with New Orleans roots. For more than 30 years, Gulf Coast Blenders has produced custom spice and dry blends for restaurant concepts across the country. To learn more, visit gulfcoastblenders.com. Original theme music composed by David Pomerlow and performed by Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Big thanks to senior producer Joe Schreiner, producers Blake Longlinay and Steve Himmelfarb, writer Becky Reitz, and to our business manager and social media maven, Maddie Mulladew. Catch up with us anytime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, too. Louisiana Eats is a production of Poppy Tooker Broadcasting. (laughs) 